the blind stares of a million pairs of eyes looking hard but won't realize that they will never see the pee. <laughs> Yes, sir. We're back. It's all eyes on Cleveland. I'm your host, Brad Ward. We are here tonight to present you with a terrific interview with the one and only Zach Jackson from The Athletic. He covers the Browns, covers the NFL. He is the co-host of the A to Z podcast and author of a book. The book is called 100 Things Browns Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. We've got other things to get into quickly around the league. The opt-out deadline is here. It'll be a good show. Make sure you stay with us. Locked in on All Eyes on Cleveland. You start There it is. We are back in full effect. I am Brad Ward. It's all eyes on Cleveland. You can catch all of our shows, all of our episodes at All Eyes on Cleveland, where all popular podcasts are found, including iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Player FM, the TuneIn app, Radio.com, and Google Play, among many others. We'll be published tomorrow morning at USA Today Sports Media Group's TheBrownsWire.com. And you can always go to the webpage, alleyesoncleveland.com. This is a show where we interview the top personalities in the Cleveland sports landscape, discussing the pressing issues that face our Cleveland Browns. Tonight, our special guest is Zach Jackson of The Athletic. He is terrific. You hear him uh, uh, from time to time on 92.3. Um, if you have a subscription to The Athletic, you can read him often, and he is also uh, on the A to Z podcast uh, where he co-hosts that show with Andre Knott. Um, you can go get his book at Amazon, uh, 100 Things Browns Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Uh, we've reached the opt-out deadline. Uh, the Browns have five opt-out players, uh, none of huge significance. Let's go through them real quick. Drew Forbes, who would have competed for a starting guard spot, probably. I doubt he would have got it. Colby Gossett, a guard. Malcolm Pridgeon, a guard. Drake Dorbeck, a tackle. All reserves. And then Andrew Billings is the big one. He's a reserve uh, defensive tackle, but a guy that they signed from the... uh, Bengals in free agency who was going to hopefully help in that rotation um, and uh, that rotation uh, will now probably need to be bolstered uh, by uh, Jordan Elliott, rookie um, and uh, you'll hear in the interview here with Zach Jackson uh, as we talk about you know how weird it is going to be for rookies to hit the field with no live action, no live bullets, uh, no preseason games, nothing. 
uh, before they get out on the field this year. Uh, we also talk about uh, the defense, what to expect from Joe Woods, among many other things. Zach is fantastic. Uh, let's get right to the interview. We'll come back afterwards, just hit on a couple topics, and get out of here. Uh, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with special guest Zach Jackson of The Athletic. And it is an honor to welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland today a very special guest. Um, he is the Browns and NFL reporter for The Athletic, co-host of the A to Z podcast, and author of 100 Things Browns Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. He is Zach Jackson. How are we doing today, Zach? Good. I wish the Browns would win some games so I could sell some books. But uh, in the meantime, as we wait for uh, football to start, I'm great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> where can where can uh, where can people get the book? Amazon. Uh, Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, just about anywhere online. Just you know, type in Zach Jackson Brown's book or 100 Things Browns Fans Should Know, and it's there. I think I have it linked in my. I know it's linked on my Instagram. I don't know if it's linked on my Twitter or not. I, I can't keep up. Okay. All right. Well, we'll make sure it's. Uh... <laughs> It's linked uh, to to one of the uh, shows we put out here for sure. So uh, just in case anybody wants to go uh, grab that, absolutely. Um, thank you so much for making the time today. I have to start off with the, you know standard question here. I know it's it's but it's just a Browns question. We've seen them come, we've seen them go with record frequency, Zach, yeah. uh, in Cleveland. Uh, impressions of Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski so far? I mean, my impressions are really, really positive with both my interactions, really positive. I think they're good people. That counts. I think that um, they're not egoless. No one is, and he certainly wouldn't be in this job, but I think compared to some of their predecessors, they are. Uh, you know, I think they're extremely intelligent yet grounded. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like I've ever really had much of an off-the-record conversation with Andrew. Just in in a couple of quick interactions with with Coach Stefanski, I think he's really realistic and aware of what's happened in the past, what the expectations are, you know, what he's walking into. So we'll see. Now, you know, I caught myself writing earlier today, starting to say something like, "Nothing's gone wrong yet," meaning like from a football standpoint, right? No, yeah. no fights with a player. But obviously, a, a, a ton's gone off the rails because the world's gone off the rails. And yeah, you know, they they wanted to bring in all these new guys, which you appreciate. And they, you know, Stefanski obviously hired a whole new staff. I think there's only three or four holdovers. Andrew Barry brought in his own guys, which is what you do. And they haven't been together. Uh, there won't be a real practice for another week or so. So they have a long way to go. Uh, but they get favorable high marks for me. And then, like everything else. Uh, we won't grade them for a while, and they won't get any grade until September 13th, you know, um, yeah. what happens that day. Now, that's not the be-all, end-all, but after four games, after eight games, after a year, we'll grade them. And then, you know, it's not their fault. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. But until people make it two and three years in this organization, until this organization decides to stick with something and make something work and draft the right guys and hire the right guys, it's always going to loom out there, right? So – I would love to sit here and say they've got the time that they need and this is going to be different. But with absolutely no offense to them, I can't say that until we see it. And that goes 
for Baker Mayfield and for Odell Beckham and for Miles Garrett and for Grant Delpit and for the whole whole list. I mean, I, I like the makeup of this roster. I think the organization is is positioned for a good couple of years, but I, I'm going to not actually believe it until I see it. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to do, especially after last year. And, uh, you know, it, it's uh, we, we've said this before, right? People have been impressive before and and uh, we thought we found the right people before, but it's they're still kind of in a honeymoon stage. It's a, a rocky honeymoon stage, like you said, because just the world is on fire. But, I mean, other than that, you know, no losses yet, right? And, and and they haven't played any games yet. So there's only so much you can say about them. But so far, so good. I agree. Um, they signed uh, Miles Garrett to a nice extension. Um, he was, what, the highest-paid defensive player for a minute, and then, yeah. and then uh, Joey Bosa uh, beat him by, what, like $2 million or something like that. But uh, um, who do you think the Browns should lock up next as far as, like, paying? I know Ogan Joby uh, is is going to be a free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Nick Chubb, uh, who certainly is a – conversation in itself when you talk about uh signing a running back to an extension in the nfl that's risky business um who do you think they should focus on signing next well i would tell you this brad i mean obviously we all know that baker denzel and chubb are are a year from being extension eligible right and if they're all three in line that means things went well but i mean i think for this season to go well i think you got to be looking at like a carl joseph or a kevin johnson or someone like that because those guys are on one-year contracts, and as we look at this team, what we know, which is only the personnel, right, before we see anything, uh, the offense should be strong, but I have major, major questions about the defense, and and there's a new scheme, and there are new people, so how's it going to all fit? I don't know. I mean, part of me says that the linebacking core can't possibly be as bad as I think it is, but I think it's awful, yeah, right? Yeah, no, I agree, um, yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, look, like the, the Miles Garrett example – was so unique for this team because so few times have they re-signed their own guys, right? Yeah. Have they hit and said, okay, we're not going to wait because we know we want this guy, so we're going to do it. I mean, the last time they did it was with Christian Kirksey, who was a nice guy and a nice player. I mean, he's not in the galaxy of a superstar player, right? No. Like that, that, that was, you know, so many times they've just missed and guys have not – I mean guys have been out of the league before their extension comes up, let alone you know the Browns having to make a hard decision. So I don't know why they would guarantee David Njoku what they did. There's got to be some strategy to that. Yeah, um, yeah that's weird. But yeah, no, I mean if you're sit, sitting here right now, look, like Baker would have to really flop probably to not get the fifth-year option. Uh, Ward is fifth-year option eligible and Chubb is not because he's a second-round guy. But right. if the Browns play – even semi well this year, right? You got to think Nick Chubb is going to be doing Nick Chubb things, and you got to think they're going to face a big decision there. So it's a really interesting question that you ask. And without knowing anything, I would say the big one there is Chubb because will an analytics driven front office, should they, you know, give a running back what he will command? And when you look at what Ezekiel Elliott got, what Christian McCaffrey got, like, it's a lot, a lot, a lot of money. So you got to look at elsewhere who's not going to be here if and when that happens. Yeah, it is. It's almost like a question like, uh, you know, when you talk about running backs, I, I kind of say is you got to be really special to get that extension, I feel, at least in the NFL at this point. Like Christian McCaffrey is special, you know. Um, and so, of course, you give him the deal. Now, Chubb is really special, but 
he's not Christian McCaffrey special. So it's it's a tough call, I think. And you know, um, you expect you expect him to have a really good year again, and you think he'll be really good. It's just a it's a tough call because it re- really can hamstring your you in the future if you want to make that commitment to a running back. Uh, and then there's a guy like Ogan Joby who you'd like to sign as well. I'm sure they'll have a, a number for him, and the market will dictate that. But, um, I mean, I'm sure he's going to command a good amount of money too, right? So, Yeah, uh, that, that's going to be an interesting one. I mean, I think that they would like him. You know, I, I think if you look at the defensive line, obviously they redid Olivier Vernon to get rid of the uncertainty and to tell him, like, we want you to play well, we need you to play well. The, the Miles thing was a no-brainer. But you look in the middle, I mean, Sheldon Richardson makes a ton of money. Um, he's under contract for two more years, but this year is where the guarantees are pretty much up. Mm-hmm. You know, I think some people would say Larry Ogunjobi is a more consistent player than Sheldon Richardson. He's maybe not as good a player. He's certainly not as savvy and as proven a player because Sheldon's been around for a long, long time. Right. Um, but yeah, I think if you look at it again, what we talked about, what a previous regime's not done, drafted the right guys, kept the right guys, built something with what they have. I think for what the Browns want to stand for, and, and who they want to be, and, and specifically in keeping your strengths, and defensive line seems like a strength, you would think they would want to keep Larry Joby, but I, I think we're going to have to see you know, how he plays, how he fits, and then where things go. Because I, I couldn't tell you right now you know, what kind of money he, he would demand. Uh, yeah, um, I was trying to figure it he out. He goes too. out and have a, has a big year, he makes a big statement yeah. in that front. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to figure that out. You're absolutely right. You know, You can't really tell. You figure maybe over $10 million, um, you know, if he had a really good year. Uh, but you really want to keep those pieces together, like you said. Uh, if you're going to change the culture here, eventually you got to start keeping guys, more than one. So interesting, interesting stuff. Uh, no preseason games, Zach, um, as you are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with Zach Jackson of The Athletic and the A to Z podcast. Um, no preseason games. So no Alex Van Pelt uh, trial with the play calling. Stefanski says he's made a decision. Do you think you know what that decision is, Zach? Yeah, I think the decision was long made that Alex is going to call the place. Really? And that Stefanski reserves the right to input. Yeah. Um, you know, I actually reported that way back when, when Alex was hired. Um, you know, in our short interactions with Alex, he, he did not really go there. Just as Stefanski has not. But – Pandemic or not, you know that by now. And I think if you wanted to talk about a trial in the preseason, I think you were talking more about, okay, let's make sure our communication is down, right? Let's make sure that he feels comfortable doing this, that the right people are in the right places in terms of the press box, the sideline, who's talking to who, um, and that Kevin Stefanski feels good about that process because it is his name on it ultimately. But I think that he, he would rather not call the plays, and I think that you get a guy like Alex Van Pelt. I mean, listen, he works for the Bengals, so he gave up a chance to coach Joe Burrow to come here. So I think that you know he was gonna uh, he, he's gonna call the plays, and, and you know my thought, Brad, on, on kind of this whole deal is yeah, off season work, especially in the social media era, is overrated as a whole. However, you can't deny that the Browns are working from behind because so much is new. Everybody's new. They're trying to get things in and they lost so much time. So they're, they are working from behind, but whether you believe it's significantly or it's a huge detriment or it's, you know, I don't know that we'll ever have a real answer on that. I just know that, you know, players had better know their assignments and better be ready to practice 
practice because they're only going to get 14 padded practices before the first game. And really what we're going to watch is improvement from game one to game four to game six because without the preseason, without what Stefanski thought was going to be a really important week in Green Bay, um, they are behind. And we know early on they play the Ravens. And, you know, I think they can lose by 30 and still be fine. Um, you know, and maybe they'll just run Nick Chubb 30 times and it'll be a game. But, you know, like I said, I really want to see who the Browns are in October to November because I think September is going to be a crapshoot. And even though they're probably more behind than, than a lot of teams who, who are bringing back coaches, who are bringing back coordinators and, and, you know, not plugging in rookie left tackles, I think this is going to hurt almost every team to an extent. And we just, you know, we don't know what that extent will be until we get there it's interesting uh you look at like teams like the saints like where they just said oh just we'll we'll see at camp right like not even worry about it and then you know you look at the browns who were like right. you know so virtual intensive right well they kind of had to be obviously in this situation but and you're right they are behind it's just a question of how far behind are they how much ground could they make up with you know with what they were doing and along the lines of, of the last question I asked you, you know, and you mentioned, you know, not having the preseason games, or I did, and, and we talked about that for a second there. How realistic is it to say, okay, Jedrick Wills, Grant Delpit, Jacob Phillips, it's week one, September 13 in Baltimore. You've never taken a live game rep ever before in the NFL roll the ball out there and sit there. Like, yeah. I mean, that's insane to me. Like that. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. Tough. Yeah. Like, you know, I think that there's a chance that Grant Delpit will eventually be really good. Like as good as, you know, the Browns think that he'll be as good as Grant Delpit thinks he'll be. But what can we expect from him right now? You know, uh, uh, yeah. it's hard to say. And so, okay. Carl Joseph gets healthy in a week and he's the strong safety and Sandejo is your guy, or maybe red wine takes a leap and he's there. I don't know. I mean, you draft Grant Delpit, you want him to make plays and you want him. So, you know, I, I think us on the outside, it's important that we don't, don't jump to a conclusion one way or the other. And I think internally, too, they have to say to him, like, we know you, you've you never sat the bench in your life, right? But we have to get you ready because you are going to – teams are going to throw things at you that you've never seen before and you're just working from behind. So, yeah. like I said, I, I was just working on the defensive depth chart before I jumped on this call. And I don't know how to break down the safeties until I see them. And then even when I see them, I'm not sure how to break them down. You know, mm-hmm. um, my thought is that Sandejo is here just because he's a tutor. He's a 10 year vet. He's going to get guys in the right place. You know, I, I wasn't very impressed with what red wine last summer, but I thought he played decent when he got in, um, you know, and, and you never write off a rookie, right? Because it is such a transition. So I really don't know what's going to happen there. You, you'd love to have Delpit. And I, and I think highly of Delpit, but I completely agree with your thought that um, maybe not this year and certainly not right away. Uh, Billings opts out, so now Jordan Elliott goes from you right. know outside the rotation to possibly the third defensive tackle. And drafting him where he did, you would hope he's the third defensive tackle. So, again, it's just, it's just going to be about growth and, and development. And hopefully, you know, the Browns stay healthy. They stay away from the virus. Things go off without a hitch because it will be into October and November, and you'll get to see guys take a leap, and you'll get to see guys be comfortable. I mean, we did a Zoom with Austin Hooper yesterday, and someone asked him. I forget the exact question, but he was like, no, actually, I haven't met my teammates, and it's it's not because yeah. I don't want to. It's just that we're not allowed to be within six feet of guys, and it's right. so weird because that's not what football's 
was about in, in training camp specifically, and it's why so many teams have gone to the joint practice thing. You, it's not just about going there and getting those live reps, although that's most of it. It's about letting your team bond and get to know each other and seeing how guys react to certain situations because you just you, the Browns aren't going to have that, and then they're going to go play a game in Baltimore on September 13th. It's, it's a scary thought. It is. It is. It's all. It's all really weird. It's all really hard to evaluate at this point. Now we just passed the uh, opt out here about what, like an hour ago, I think. Um, and uh, there was one more, Malcolm. Prid- Did you say his name? Pridgen. Pridgen? Yeah. Pridgen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Drew Forbes, kind of significant, but not earth shattering. Colby Gossett, Malcolm Pridgen, Drake Dorbeck, and then you know obviously Andrew Billings is the big one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think they'll add to this roster at all? I mean, I heard Barry talk what uh, a day ago now, and, and he really didn't seem like he was all that interested in you know. He's been real aggressive when he talked about it in the past. Like, yeah, I'm always going to try to make this team better, you know. But he kind of poo-pooed it a little bit the other day when they asked him about adding to the roster. Yeah, well, you would like to – you know, they like the team. Um, he was only gone for 11 months. I think some of us forget that, right? He's the new GM, but he was only gone for 11 months. Right. And you want your guys to like the team. That's not to say that any roster is perfect, even, even the Chiefs or the Niners right now. And the Browns certainly isn't. But, you know, the opt-outs have pretty much mandated – that you got to have a guard. Um, they need a tackle, too. Ideally, you have 15 offensive linemen, so you have three even groups for when you start practicing. You know, on the defensive line, Billings is a loss, and they were counting on him. They paid him a fully guaranteed one-year deal. They thought that that the, that would work himself out with the con- kind of the contract thing that we talked about before with the other two D tackles. Yeah. But he's not going to be here. So you drafted Jordan Elliott. You're going to pull the red shirt, basically. He's got to play, you know, or, or you keep working on those guys. So I've, I'm not ruling out a clowny, a Ryan, but I, I think the Browns have pretty much moved on from that in a plan A world. And so barring, you know, no, no, nobody else opted out. So barring a catastrophic injury or just a total failure of some sort, like I think the roster's set and I think it will be waiver wire guys or – you know, street free agents or whatever. The thing to watch, Brad, is today is what, August 6th or 7th? You know, three weeks from today when they're into the training camp, like then do you have to go out and chase veterans because your young players are so far behind? Or have you seen that guys are stepping up and you're able to say, okay, maybe we can't get this guy ready two weeks from now, but two months from now we feel real good about things. And and I think they're there. So, you know, the vibe I get, is that they they like this roster? Um, they like it maybe more than I do, and the, a lot of other people do. Uh, you know, I certainly think the offense is 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 interesting and intriguing, and maybe could be really good because you have guys like Kareem Hunt and Odell Beckham that could put you to another gear that a lot of teams can't get to. But I have questions about the defense, and, and we'll just see. You know, last year it clearly was too much too soon on multiple fronts. Um, part of me thinks that just by getting in and out of the huddle and not committing a bunch of dumbass penalties and playing pretty smart football, that the Browns could be a lot better. And part of me says maybe some of these guys aren't as good as we think. So uh, we'll see in the coming months. Yeah, uh, believe me, I have a couple questions for you about the defense here coming up. Don't worry. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, You're listening to Zach Jackson of The Athletic and the A to Z podcast on All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, my initial reaction to uh, David Njoku changing his mind uh, in regarding his trade request was, wow, 
you know, great job by Andrew Barry to sit down with him and and talk him out of this, and you know that that that's really great. But the, the more I thought about it, the more I've kind of kind of changed my mind on that and said, you know, he really just made a bad choice in the first place and, and put himself in a position where there was no market for him. The Browns weren't going to give him up for nothing, and. What other option did he have but to embrace the offense that he was in? Yeah. So, like, every year – now that trading's kind of back in the NFL, right? Like, every year you can look at a team and say, okay, uh, who's kind of fallen out of favor or who might be replaced or who's down to the last year of their contract that might get moved, right? Yeah. And sometimes, um, you know, a, a team wants to stick with the guy. Sometimes something just went wrong and the new staff wants to save it. Or sometimes you can't trade them, Right. Like, Kareem Hunt, you couldn't trade because he's got that baggage, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Odell, like, you want – in Kareem, you think can excel. Like, Odell, you know, you you want him to score touchdowns. You know there's always going to be some extra stuff, but if you believe he's a good citizen, and, and I do believe that, it, that he is at the core, mm-hmm. you know, you just want him to be healthy and play well for you because you got him. Well, you know, nobody else is going to give half of what you just traded him for. So I think in the case of Najoku, it was like, all right, well – we're we're so, so eager to replace him that we just made Austin Hooper the highest paid tight end in the NFL. Okay, yeah, yeah. but we still think that we can get something out of Najoku, and they showed that by picking up the guaranteed option. So, yeah. um, you know, the way he handled it, I don't think I, I, I just I don't know I I don't think right now that the Browns are any better with Najoku or any worse than they'd be without him. But there is some talent there. And unfortunately, yeah. entering year four, that's all you're saying about Najoku is there is some talent there. Can you drag it out? He was always a down-the-road project. Um, now they committed to him for a fifth year. We, we That's another sign that it's going to be a tight end heavy offense, right? And it's yeah. on him to kind of put it together because we have seen some flashes. There's no doubt. And there there is no doubt that if he catches one down the seam that he can pull away from guys like few tight ends can. But getting to that point is no guarantee. <laughs> So yeah. yeah, pulling the ball in and securing it is the most difficult uh, part of that equation for him at times, certainly. Uh, so, um, yeah, so that was kind of like, you know, I, that whole thing. Obviously, it was Rosenhaus influence and everything, and, and it worked itself out on its own. But, you know, I was ready to give a lot of credit to Andrew Barry, but the more I thought about it, I was just kind of like, wait a minute, he really didn't have a choice and things. Yeah, so not, not to cut you off, out. but we did a, we did a chat uh, on the Athletic Live Q&A at lunch today, and someone said, you know, when I see that he's he's committed, does that, that really gives me some positive vibes. And I thought, you got to get rid of these low bar thoughts. Like, yeah, they guarantee yeah. six mil and he's excited to show up and play. Like, everybody's yeah. locked in their house for five months. Like, come on, <laughs> right? Seriously, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, so this brings me to the defense, Zach, and the defense has been, as you kind of mentioned, the biggest question for me all offseason. You know, uh, Andrew Berry shot a lot of one-year contract darts at this defense, kind of quick fixes uh, all over the place. Uh, you know, I like Carl Joseph. Well, let me start with that question first before I really get into the weeds with you here. Uh, Carl Joseph and Landry, both on the pup list, uh, are they really both on, as you understand it, still on schedule for week one? Yeah, Landry for sure. You know, I don't know about Joseph, but I'm not – at this point, I'm not alarmed because, 
you know, he, his season did end on the foot injury. So, right. you know, that, that allows him to be able to work with the Browns trainers throughout this whole thing and do that. And, and if he, he's some, the pup list is just completely procedural in most cases. And that just means that if they had a practice three days ago, that he would not have been able to go through the full practice. So he has to be on the pup list. So I, I don't have any insight on whether it's one more day or two more weeks, but um, you know, he did pass the physical initially back in the spring and the Browns knew of the injury. And, and like I said, it's important because I think he's an important player because he's an experienced guy. He played well last year before he got hurt. And you would think he'll be playing that down safety position where he'll be helping not only the, the younger guys around him, but the linebackers in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Carl Joseph, assuming he's healthy, uh, is a guy that the Browns need to play well. And if he does, he could be rewarded with a longer term contract. Yeah, I feel like if he can stay healthy, he absolutely. I, I like his game, um, and, and so I, I didn't. I liked that signing. You know, they're gonna. Uh, they brought in, uh, you know, a couple of these first round picks, like Kevin Johnson, obviously, and then you know Adrian Claiborne. I like those signings. Uh, Johnson was terrible, obviously, for years in t- with the Texans, and then you know kind of had a pretty decent year with Buffalo. Uh, so he's kind of hit or miss, but we know that. I feel like he he has the potential to maybe play uh, nickel corner pretty well, but but here's what it all comes down to for me, Zach is is Joe Woods, right? He's coached in a, in a lot of different schemes, uh, you know, to the base of you know when he of running a a three four when he was in Denver, a four three, uh, other places uh, to really last year where they, you know, almost 70% of the time were in Seattle's cover three press bail, right. Um, with, with Sala in San Francisco. And I heard Chris Sims say the Browns were going to run a version of Seattle's defense. And I had Andy Benoit on for Monday morning quarterback. And he kind of said that that was a possibility. And then I look at our defense and I see the inexperienced linebackers and two corners that are really good at man to man, but I'm not really sure about how they can do in zone. And I kind of say, does that really match what we have personnel wise? So I'm really at a loss. I don't know what he's going to run. Maybe you do or have a better idea of schematically what this defense is going to look like, but I'm anxious to ask you about it. Well, I'm I'm curious too, Brad, you know, he, he came out and said, we're going to be a four, three base team. And and that's what they are. That's where the, Right. Talent is um, a. You don't play much base, and b. The only time he was a coordinator was in Denver, where they were a three-four base team, right? right? So um, then he was in San Francisco, where they where they do things differently. He previously coached with Minnesota, that's why he has this job, right? Presumably from his previous experience yes. with Stefanski, uh, you know, in addition to his previous coordinator experience. So if you look at those defenses, um, I think we're all guessing and. and in one regard, I think he likes that because that means Baltimore's guessing and Cincinnati's guessing. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, too, is you're going to play a completely different defense in week one uh, against Lamar Jackson than you're going to play against most other teams on your schedule, right? So uh, they're going to get ready for that. They're going to have a short week and get ready for, for other ones. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Steve Wilkes last year was really outside the box. The three safeties all the time. Um, I, yeah. I really hadn't been around that, and the Browns played that more by a large percentage, I believe, than any other team. Um, they had five guys play safety last year, four 
of them are no longer on the team, right? So, yeah, so that's yeah. different. Uh, you know, Kirksey only played in the two games last year, but he was here a long time. Schobert never missed. Schobert only sat out one snap of one game all year. So those two guys are gone. So everything's different. So I think we're gonna. I think it's gonna be something that's a work in progress. Uh, I think you would like to play to your strengths as far as your defensive line. You know, and, and, and obviously I don't care what scheme you're in. If you can stop the run and get teams to third and eight and let Miles loose, you're going to succeed. But as far as having real answers to those questions, both in what they want, in terms of what they want to do and then in what they need to do based on this personnel and those strengths, that's going to be an evolving thing. And you just hope that they get to it uh, sooner than later. Um, and, and the other thing, too, that I think has gone overlooked, like – you could make a case that Greedy Williams is really talented and just you know needs to grow up and needs the experience and that he was a second-round steal. And you could also make the case that what happened last year was really alarming and there's no guarantee for that other corner spot, right? So especially with Denzel's injury history, um, I'm not sure. So man zone, yeah. a ton of press, not, I don't know. I just figure on the first, third, and seven, the other team is going to throw it to Greedy's side and we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, that, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, best case scenario, I think Zach is, he takes a little bit of everything that he's done. I mean, the, to me, the best defensive coordinators in this league are guys that, that, you know, morph their defense every week to beat you, right? And, uh, let's hope that he has that kind of experience that he's able to do that, you know? Um, well, he comes from the Niners and, and we know that they, they were just, so deep with defensive linemen, right? Guys who could right. line up in different spots and do different things and had done it. So, you know, you have a guy like Vernon that's done different things. You have a guy like Richardson that's played in every defense that there is. You bring in Carl Joseph, who had been in multiple schemes during his time in Oakland. You bring in B.J. Goodson, who, you know, I think is probably just a guy, but has played in, in different places. So, yeah. um, you know, to me, it's Jimmy's and Joe's over X's and O's, but the extra challenge, not just for Joe Woods, but for every, you know, new coach, position coach coordinator and new guy on a new team this year is that you got to get it quickly it's going to take teams a while to find you know there's always goofy results in week one of any season right yeah especially well i think i think in december we'll look back and see goofy results in weeks one two three and four because i think it's just going to take teams a way to find themselves to find their strengths and go from there very well said uh awesome stuff zach uh just a couple more questions here for you okay um I have, uh, let's see here. So the Bengals are separating all of their quarterbacks uh, just in case. So to me, I keep hearing this philosophy of separating their quarterbacks, like some other teams have talked about doing it, right, in fear of the room getting uh, coronavirus, right, Um, and taking out all your quarterbacks. My whole thing is I want Case Keenum – to be there for Baker. Like, he should be an asset for him. I, I just, I don't see, like, I don't know, separating them and keeping them away from each other to me seems totally anti, like, what this whole thing yeah. should be about. Uh, I mean, he should be, like, the biggest, like, help to him, right? Like, he he knows this offense. He lived this offense. He did successfully. He should be his right-hand man at all times telling him, you know, here's what you're seeing. Here's what you're doing, and 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 I hope they don't like you know send him off to another room and they you know you guys are never going to talk. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> just in case Mayfield goes out for a game, that they have Case Keenum to come in. 
I, I, what are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right in terms of the concept of it and the idea of giving Case Keenum all that money, right? But the thought is behind doing that, like we cannot get to Thursday before a game and find out that the quarterbacks were out (laughs) to dinner and that three of the four got it because then we don't have a quarterback for Sunday, right? We cannot find out that Case Keenum got it from so-and-so or however he got it. And that, you know, he and Baker were the only two locked in the dark quarterback room for six hours last night, you know. So it, it, it's unprecedented. It's strange. It's scary. Um, once we get started, and, you know, I still feel mostly confident that we will, it's still going to be about winning. And, yeah. you know, if you if quarantining quarterbacks, keeping one totally away or – you know, not or making sure those guys, you know, aren't being in the locker room together or aren't, you know, I, I mean, I think on a typical Tuesday, which is the player's day off, the quarterbacks spend eight or 10 hours in a room, right? Yeah. You know, however, you have to readjust that to where you can't do that. That's what it's going to be about because if you don't win, then, you know, jobs are lost and we go through this whole different cycle. So uh, it's fascinating from the outside, it's probably nerve wracking on the inside, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's all weird. So you're absolutely right about that. You're listening to Zach Jackson of the Athletic and AZ Podcast. Just finishing up here a couple. I'm going to kind of speed around, hit you with a couple questions here, uh, kind of around the league here. So, um, well, first of all, normally I, I ask people for their, like, predictions, but I hate kind of doing that, you know, especially this year. So I'm just going to say – what do you think uh, – uh, do you have a prediction for Baker Mayfield? Do you think that he has a bounce back year uh, in this offense or do you expect good things from him or or, or do you have a feel for that? Yeah. Well? Yeah, I mean I, I have concerns, uh, but I think a lot of things are set up. You know, I, I think a lot of things went wrong on and off the field last year. He's still a young player. Um, someone way smarter than I put it like this like everybody was so quick to crown him as a rookie and so quick to bury him last year like if the truth's in the middle he's still a guy that's you know 30 some starts right that yep. that's seen a little bit that you'd feel like can be super it has always been super accurate and then all of a sudden wasn't so you know mess with the footwork put him in a better system and we'll see uh do i have concerns that the teams will, will always blitz him up the middle and take away his vision on certain routes sure but I think, you know, I think the Browns can really put him in a much more efficient offense with a better game plan and get him comfortable. I just never saw Baker comfortable uh, last year, certainly, you know, not as the year went along. So I, I, I'm i optimistic, put it that way, without making any guarantees that, that Baker can be good enough to get this team to the playoffs. Sounds good. I'm optimistic, too. I, th- I think we'll see. Uh, uh, him put in a better situation to succeed, right? You can combat some of the stuff that really caused problems with him, and I think that Stefanski's smart enough to do that, but we'll see what happens there. Um, all right, so are you are you concerned about that the officials have no training camp? <laughs> uh, no training camp, officials are going to come in week one. How big of a mess is that going to be? Yeah, I, I haven't thought about that, but that's one of many things that's, that's going to be completely different. Um yeah, I think there's a lot of unknown and a lot of concerns. And I, I think what's going to have to happen is that internally you're going to have to say, we have got to spend zero time worrying about this team 
you know, has this travel concern or this team was able to do this or this team can have 14,000 fans. I don't know how it will all work out, right? Yeah. But I think you just have to focus on you. I think the most mature team, uh, the most mature teams are the ones that are going to have a chance because with the unpredictability of this whole thing, not knowing if the season will go on, let alone every single week wondering if a guy will test positive on Friday or Saturday, right? Guys can get called from the practice squad up till Sunday morning. There's so much uncertainty that I just think – if you limit the distractions and handle things the best way in terms of what you can control, that's full cliche. But I think those teams give themselves the best chance. No, that makes total sense. Yeah, you can't worry yourself with that. But it'll be interesting to see how that all goes, certainly. Because uh, they were going to try out, what, like the Sky Judge or a version of it or something in, in you know the preseason. They never had a chance to do that. So uh, here we are. Uh, any... Uh, um, uh, question uh, about the uh, stadium being empty. Any, you have any idea what they're going to do with that? Like, I, I know that there's no, there's not going to be any crowd there to start the season, more than likely, right? Even though they said like there's there's some kind of a plan to work that in, but more than yeah, likely, I don't, I don't know be- anything. I don't know anything about that, and I don't think that that's in anyone's control other than you know the governor and way, the way this thing goes over the next few weeks. Yeah, I was kind of going towards like. Do you know what the NFL is going to do with all the room? Like I look at baseball, you know, you know they're trying to make noise. They have crowd noise. The t- NBA has virtual fans. I wonder if the NFL has any idea what they're going to do. I mean, you can't just send them out there to an empty stadium, right? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, wh- what are they going to do? I mean, I'm sure they'll use it for ad space or something, but uh, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah. Did the uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, comments bother you at all? No. Um, no. I think Odell was was telling the truth, and that's what we ask for in guys, you know. And I think Odell, I know Odell has a platform, which a lot of guys do, but he's fully aware of what it is. And when those were made, the timing was the deal wasn't done. The players put together a push to, to let's get our side on social media. That that didn't happen accidentally or coincidentally, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what Odell's football future is, but I think that there's a chance that he's a good player for the Browns and a great player for the Browns. And, you know, he didn't opt out today. He's been there. Um, you just hope he stays healthy and, and that he eventually gets chance because he's one of those guys that can turn a simple play into a big one at any time. Yeah, you said it. Uh, very good job. Thank you so much, Zach, for your time. You are uh, tremendous. Uh, I love your writing. Enjoy it all the time. Uh, listen to you. Uh, on uh, Ken Carmen's show all the time, too. He came on the show for uh, an episode here. Uh, if you uh, uh, send me uh, afterwards, I'll, I'll get your uh, address and T-shirt size. We'll send you an all-eyes-on-Cleveland T-shirt. If you if you don't uh, mind, that would be cool. I'd like to I appreciate that. it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, make sure you uh, follow Zach on Twitter, at Akron Jackson. Uh, he writes for The Athletic on the Browns in the NFL. He is uh, the co-host of the A to Z podcast with Andre Knott, right? Yep. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, Andre we, we haven't done one lately. It's just there's so much uncertainty in baseball. Yeah. And, you know, I've kind of been, been on, on call with football and opt-outs and deals getting signed, and he's been getting back into the routine. So we are very much looking forward to, you know, hopefully a, a baseball continuing and then, you know, getting ready for some actual action so we have something to talk about because yeah. I've, I, I tell my radio friends all the time, like, bless you guys 
for filling these hours for all these months without sports because we usually do one a week and sometimes we're like, what in the hell are we supposed to talk about today? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and then uh, you are author of 100 Things Browns Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Go pick it up at Amazon uh, and we'll make sure we have a link available uh, up with this show. Zach, uh, you, it's been a pleasure. You're fantastic and thank you for all your time. All right. Thanks, Brett. All right. Have a Jackson from The Athletic. Tremendous stuff. Go ahead and kill that, Mikey. Yeah, so Zach was great, uh, as usual. Uh, He is uh, a very smart man, knows his Browns, covers them well for The Athletic, a tremendous publication, certainly. A couple things we're going to go through here tonight before we get you up and out of here on All Eyes on Cleveland. Make sure you go listen to the show and subscribe where all popular podcasts are found. Uh, Opt-out final numbers uh, real quickly of importance. Uh, The Browns, we covered those at the top of the show. Ravens uh, tackle Andre Smith. He's a reserve tackle. He opted out. And their wide receiver, DeAnthony Thomas, former Chiefs player uh, when he was in his prime, basically, uh, he has chosen to opt out. Uh, And, of course... The Steelers with no opt-outs, zero. Oh, man! Opt-outs, yes. Oh, man! Uh, Not ideal there, Uh, but um, so uh, that's that. A couple other things uh, to get to. So in the interview, Zach uh, said that he reported a while back or when, whenever... He got this feel, or even maybe even right after Alex Van Pelt was hired, that he would call the plays. And he says that he feels pretty good that he will call the plays. So, um, which surprised me. I all along have uh, thought that it would be uh, Kevin Stefanski to call the plays. I feel like he's organized enough um, and a guy that is uh, detail oriented enough to be able to call his uh, own place and be the head coach of the football team. Not that he's not, uh, if they choose Alex Van Pelt, but it's just the way I thought they would go. You know, you brought him in um, with the idea of what, you know, offense he was going to run. Uh, 
with the wide zone stuff. Um, so, um, and uh, I just don't know, uh, you know, the experience that uh, Van Pelt has uh, calling that offense, really. Um, so that's my concern, and just one where I thought Stefanski would take the reins there. Yeah, we don't know that, you know, that's not in stone or anything, but um, there is, uh, you know, uh, Zach Jackson saying that he thinks Alex Van Pelt will call the plays for the Browns rather significant. Uh Antonio Brown, the other AB, the troubled one, Antonio Brown, uh, slapped with an eight-game suspension. Um, who is uh, looking like they want to get him around the league is the question. And because and you're bringing in certainly a wide receiver that can still do it at a high level. Um, and... Uh, but maybe a problem, as we've seen in the past, and when it comes to your locker room, um, when it comes to just you know getting in trouble with the team and, and outside distractions and whatnot. Um, so uh, Antonio Brown uh, will get an eight-game suspension, and he can return to play this season. Uh, I I saw that uh, Pete Carroll, uh, non-committal. To him, you know, not making any commitment, but didn't shy away from speaking about um, Antonio Brown, saying that you know, basically, there's they're going to do their work on every situation and every player, um, and uh, so uh, that'll be uh, uh, interesting to uh, take a look at there and see if he ends up in Seattle as. Russell Wilson could certainly use another weapon. I also heard the Bengals rumored for him. Uh, boy, he would fit right at home uh, there with uh, those bunch of heathens um, for sure. But, uh, yeah, so um, we covered all that. Now, uh, the last thing I wanted to cover with you tonight, a ridiculous story uh, here on All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, I wanted to uh, kind of go through with you here. Raiders coach John Gruden, (laughs) boy, this is good stuff, uh, does not have COVID-19. But his players were led to believe that he did. According to Mike Garofalo of NFL Network, the Raiders logged into a Zoom team meeting expecting to be addressed by Gruden, only to hear from assistant head coach and special teams coordinator, Rich Basaria, but I can't say his name. Basarcia, Basarcia, uh, that uh, Gruden uh, told. So Basarcia told them on the Zoom, Gruden has been hospitalized with COVID nineteen. Now that wasn't true, but Gruden and the Raiders staff wanted to test how the players would uh, react and prepare. Um, them for the most uh, unpredictable of NFL seasons. So how they would react, prepare them for the most unpredictable of NFL seasons, uh, whether such a move actually helps the Raiders prepare to expect the unexpected or whether players merely tune out a coaching staff that lies to them. 
is open for debate. Gruden, however, apparently thinks that the prank can be part of his team's effort to crush COVID-19 into the ground. Uh, I heard him also saying that, that they, you know, they were going to beat, beat this thing's ass, uh, beat it into the ground, crush it into submission, the uh, coronavirus. So uh, very Gruden, uh, Gruden-esque and uh, a, a absolutely ridiculous you know, fire drill type of thing to do to your team, especially at this point, I think, in the offseason. Like, what do you mean they can't go through their stretching and their weightlifting and their walkthroughs uh, because uh, Gruden is out? I mean, it'd be different if it was game week. Um, how would they react? But, I mean, at this point in the offseason, they aren't doing any really football stuff for another week uh it's all strength conditioning and walkthroughs right now so um yeah that uh that one uh struck me as funny that he would think that that prank was something good to do to his team uh and see how they reacted preparing them for what uh, he believes will be a crazy offseason. oh man yes or a crazy season part oh man uh, so funny stuff there from Grudeness. He is one of a kind and a gem for sure. Big thanks to Zach Jackson of The Athletic, uh, co-host of the A to Z podcast and author of 100 Things Browns Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. This has been another episode of All Eyes on Cleveland. We've got some big ones coming up for sure. We're going to get our hard knocks preview in with the very uh, top, top notch showrunner, VP of NFL Films, Ken Rogers. Look for that coming right up, and then we'll start our trip around the league with James Rapine covering the Bengals. Get all our questions about the Bengals out there. Um, this all coming up very soon for you. So get your notifications turned on. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. It's uh, good stuff coming at you all the time. Great content. Uh, great Browns coverage. We appreciate you listening. For Mikey on the ones and twos, a big thanks to Zach Jackson. I am Brad Ward, and we are out. But got on different shoes Live in the same building But we got different views I got a couple cars I never get to use Don't like my women single I like my chicks in twos And these days All the girls is down the road I hit the strip club And all them bitches find a pole Plus I've been sipping So this shit is moving kinda slow Just tell my girl to tell a friend That it's time to go now tell me how you love it You know you're at the top And all the heavens right above it We out It's young money, motherfucker If you ain't running with it Run from it, motherfucker Alright Now somebody show some money in this bitch And I got my bees with me Like some honey in this bitch You did I got my gun in my boot purse And I don't bust back Because I shoot first Meet me on the fresh train. Yes, I'm in the building. You just on the list of guest names. And all of my riders do not give a f X games. Guns turn you boys into, into, into sex change. 
And I smoke till I got chest pains And you niggas know I rep my gang like Jesse James Women are possessive and they wanna possess Wayne I've been fly so long I fell asleep on the plane Skinny pants and some vans Call me Triple A, get my advance in advance Amen, as the world spinning dance in my hands Life is a beach, I'm just playing in the sand uh, Wake up and smell a can't see me, but never overlook me. I'm on the paper trail, it ain't no telling where it took me. Yeah, and I ain't a killer, but don't push me. Now, now tell me how you love me. You know you're at the top and only heavens right above it. We own it's your money, motherfucker. If you ain't running with it, run from it, motherfucker. All right, now somebody show some money in this and I got my bees with me like some honey. And I don't bust back because I shoot first. How do you say was never said? Beautiful black woman, I bet that bitch look better red. Limping off tour because I made more off my second leg. Bird, bird, Birdman Junior, 11th grade. Fall on automatic start. I can hand it to Drake or do a quarterback draw. Wildcat offense, check the paw prints. We in the building, it's in apartments. Uh. Not, not come on, be my blood donor Flow so nice, you ain't gotta put a rug on her Do it big and let the small fall under that Damn, where you stumbled at? From where they make gumbo at? Can't got the f- be jumping like a jumping jack And you know me, I get on this bitch and have a heart attack Hip-hop, I'm the heart of that Nothing short of that President Carter